G'day everyone, this is Greg Ryan and welcome to episode 40 of Rare and Resilient 1 in 5000 podcast where we're talking IAARM and today I'm pleased to welcome Bristol from Tennessee who is the mother of little Roman who's two and a half years old who was born with IAARM and she also has a an older son who's 12 years old. So Bristol, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. I know you and I have been chatting uh, for a while now, since when Roman was first born. So it's great to get you on and um, let's discuss your journeys. Sure. So Roman was born in July of 2020 during the pandemic. And we knew from his ultrasounds that he had a mild case of spina bifida. Didn't have any clue about IA. I was not even aware of IA or even knew that that was a thing. And just about probably 30 seconds after he was born, the doctor came over and informed me that he had no anal opening and that he would have to be rushed off to the NICU. And that was just like, it was just a cloud of different emotions and, you know, just scared because like I said, I had never heard of it. I didn't know. I didn't know if it would be, you know, a quick, easy solution or I didn't even know if he would live at the time because I had never heard of it. And so they rushed him off to the NICU and they transported him to um, a bigger hospital about 30 minutes away. And then at two days old, he had an emergency colostomy placed so that he would be able to stool and, um, you know, get rid of his waste. He got to come home at 10 days old and we were just getting, you know, used to the colostomy bag and the constant leaks and, you know, trying to get into a groove of it and figure everything out. And then at four months old, he had his PSARP. He had his, um, the anal opening surgery. Yep. And so, yeah, that was at four months. And then he was supposed to have his reversal at 10 months old, but that still hasn't happened. Um, instead he had the colostomy switched to an ileostomy. And so he still has the bag and that's okay with me. I like the bag. I appreciate the bag. And so for now we're just keeping the ileostomy until he gets a little bit older and can better understand for now. So we're just, because we do handle it just fine. I just don't really want to put him through, you know, the possible complications with having his reversal. Right. So right now we're just, just keeping the bag. Did he have a prolapse surgery along the along the way there as well? He did. I forgot about that. Yes, he did. He had the prolapse surgery almost a year ago. It was February of 2022. So a little bit over a year after having after having his PSARP. Yes, they had it was pretty badly prolapsed. And yeah, they had to go in and correct that. How did he recover from that? Was it just a, a overnight stay or was it a long, long time in hospital? Um, it wasn't actually, you know, I don't even remember. I don't know why I don't remember that. I guess because he's had so many different surgeries now. I want to say he got to come home that same day. Right. Because it was not very invasive. It really wasn't a very tough recovery. So. Oh, that's right. And he come through it okay? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He healed very quickly. Was there any other signs of vectoral other than the spina bifida? No, I mean, his kidneys and everything seemed normal on ultrasound. So, but he does also, I forgot to mention, he also has a neurogenic bladder and yeah. because of, they say it's very large and because of the size of it, they say it, 
wouldn't uh, fully empty. And so because of that, they had to go in and he didn't have any kidney damage yet, but we wanted to make sure he did not develop any kidney damage. And therefore they went and put in the suprapubic catheter. All right. And he still got that? He does. Yes. Yeah. Do you want to just explain that? Because there's a, a lot of um, neurogenic bladder is a, a, a common associated issue along with uh, to IARM. So for those who aren't aware, can you want to just give a bit of an explanation of what that is and sure. what it entails? Sure. Yes. Because when the doctor mentioned it to me, I hadn't a clue. I had never heard of that either. So yeah, the um, suprapubic catheter is a tube that goes in through the lower abdomen into the bladder and it just it's like that has a a little valve on it where the urine will flow out and what it does is it it makes sure the bladder fully empties so when he would normally be using the bathroom on his own some urine would come out but it wasn't fully emptying so there would always be some urine left in the bladder which could reflux back into the kidneys and damage the kidneys so with this catheter, it's guaranteed to always drain fully so that it can't back up into the kidneys. Oh, okay. So do you have to do anything with the catheter or just order it's just done naturally? Well, some people, some parents will, they'll switch the valve off and they'll leave it closed for say three or four hours. And then they'll have a little bag, a drain bag that they yep. connect to the valve and then they'll turn the valve on and let it sit with the bag for about 20 to 30 minutes to fully empty that way. And then they'll detach the bag, take it off and then shut the valve off again and then repeat the process, you know, five or six times a day. But with us, because Roman has such bad bladder spasms now, we're having to double diaper. So we put one diaper on regularly and then we take the tube and we put that on top of that diaper and then put a second diaper on top of that so the tube is just always draining between the two diapers. So and, it's really, I don't really have to do much. Oh, okay. So how long do, does he have to have any more surgeries with that or just that, that will just stay in there? The doctor says he's supposed to have that tube switched out surgically. Originally, they said every four weeks, but we're going on month three now since the last time he had it switched out and everything's fine. I think every four weeks is a little excessive. Um, and he has to be put to sleep under anesthesia every time. And I'm trying to minimize the times that he is put under anesthesia. So he's supposed to have the tube switched out again next month. But the doctor was saying he wanted to switch the tube to what's called a Mickey button, which would lay flat on the skin. And then I would take, I think, like a syringe to suction the urine out that way. And I will start tracking and monitoring the output like how many milliliters at such and such time so that we can keep up with the output to know if we can have the catheter reverse also geez it's a lot to look after with having the <laughs> double diving and then do right. uh, the stoma bag as well well and it's tricky too because the catheter tube is so close to the stoma it's not terribly close i can still change the bag successfully and you know have have all that okay but sometimes I will have to trim the wafer a little bit or the barrier sheet so that it's not touching 
the catheter tube. And then we don't have leaks very often, but if we do have leaks, I have to get it cleaned up super quick so that the stool doesn't run into the, the hole where the tube is and get an infection. Yeah. I was going to say, does he have to deal with many UTIs? Surprisingly, no. And the doctor is always, he's always been surprised to hear that, that he hasn't had any. Oh, that, well, that's a good thing. Right. <laughs> deserves a bit of a break, eh? Right. <laughs> you mentioned that he had the piece up at four months old. So it's sort of like over two years now and wow. the circumstances, he hasn't had the, uh, the colostomy closure. Was Is that due to more COVID or what? Is the doc, what is the main reason behind that? I, I honestly, I believe that it's mainly due to the fact that the doctors here locally, they're just not really experienced enough. In my opinion, I believe that's what it is because several doctors have tried to pass it off to other surgeons, kind of like, you know, maybe they're a little afraid to tackle it themselves because, you know, they'll be honest with me at least and let me know they haven't done many of these surgeries. Yep. And so it's basically, I've, I mean, I've talked to three, it, this surgery has been scheduled with three different surgeons already. And every one of them has been put off for various reasons, you know, like the surgeon is just out for an undetermined amount of time or, you know, it's just been different. I don't remember all the excuses, but that, that I believe that's why. Okay. And how has his opening been? Like, did you have to do the dilations? Well, that's another problem. We did, yes, in the beginning, after his PSART, when he was four months old, we did do dilations. However, I had gotten in touch with a, a well-known specialist here in the States. We flew out to see him and he told us that they had done studies and they didn't believe the dilations were really effective or didn't really make much of a difference. But the main reason we didn't need to do them was because the opening was prolapsed and that that was going to have to be repaired anyway. So it would just be pointless to keep dilating something that has to be repaired and which we didn't end up, we were supposed to fly back to see that specialist to have that surgery, to have his prolapse repaired. But we just, it was back and forth with the insurance company and their office staff. And so after three different cancellations with him, I just took that as a sign that maybe we're not supposed to be going there either. So we just went back to our local hospital. So (sighs) (laughs) I can understand. It just gets exhausting talking about it. When I stop and think about like how much we've gone through in the journey, like I don't even, I don't know. It's not something you normally think of when you just go through your day-to-day life. But then when you stop and you're talking about it with someone, another, especially someone who understands it, it's just like, wow, that's a lot the emotions that a lot of the parents go through when they, when they talk or when we discuss it like this, it it brings Mm -hmm. back a lot of things because you live in the moment and then you, you, you think about, Oh, (laughs) I've got to go back and remember all these things. And it, and it can become a bit triggering, can't it? Mm -hmm. It's okay though. I like, I'm, I like getting to talk about it though. That's good. Well, that's why you're on the podcast. (laughs) Now, had you discussed getting the closure by the specialist at the dedicated colorectal center as well? Yes, uh, we had spoken about that. And he, I will say he's, in my opinion, I believe he's a very experienced specialist who truly knows what he's doing. And I believe he really enjoys what he's doing. And I really think he knows best. 
but he was jumping the gun a little bit and was telling me that not that Roman will probably need a Malone in the future. It's that Roman's going to have a Malone in the future. And again, I respect the this, this surgeon. I really do. I know that he knows what he's talking about, but I was thinking, can we just take it one step at a time? You know, because, and we see all these different, these parents that we connect with on social media. And yes, some of the children do need them alone, but there are many that are thriving without it. Correct. So I wanted to just hold up and let's just take this first step and then the next. And then if we need them alone, we'll go that route. But it's just, it can be kind of scary when they throw all these medical terms around and you don't have a clue what they mean. And then you go home and you Google it and you look it up yourself and it freaks you out. And so it's just like, slow down. I just want to do, you know, one step at a time. Yeah, just take it day by day and live in the moment. It's enough to deal with at the moment, especially when you haven't even gone through the closure as yet. Right, right. Okay, now getting back to what you mentioned at the start, through circumstances, Roman hasn't had the colostomy reversal as yet. I know we've had the discussion that you believe he's starting to become more aware that he's wearing the bag now and he's sort of like becoming a bit like he's trying to hide it is that right yes that's correct in the past couple of months but definitely increasingly these past few weeks if his shirt rides up a little bit and his bag is exposed he will start tugging on his shirt and pull it down and you know he'll grunt and i mean He's not, it's not that he's nonverbal, but it's just, he's still, he's in speech therapy. His older brother had to do speech therapy and, you know, he will talk some, but he's just, he's not great at communicating yet with his words, but he, he makes it very clear. He's uncomfortable and he wants his shirt down and he wants the bag covered. And it doesn't matter if we're out in public or if we're at home, he wants the bag covered. And I feel like he's, I don't really want to say embarrassed, but I think he's definitely starting to notice that not everyone has one. So he's becoming more aware of it. Right, yeah. And I suppose he, he's getting to that age now where he'd see his older brother who hasn't got a bag. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and he loves his brother. He's, that's like his favourite person. Oh, that's wonderful. And that that leads us in to something that you did just prior to Christmas, which was a wonderful little video on TikTok and you put it on um, uh, Facebook as well and Instagram, whereas you put a little bag on your tummy under your shirt and you showed Roman to say, look, mummy's got a bag too. And he came over and kissed it. It was just such a, an emotional thing to look at. Yes, it was so sweet. I know. I just... I couldn't really believe that he did that, you know, and his reaction when I went back and watched it, which I'm sure you saw my face. I was shocked. Like, Oh my yeah. goodness, you kissed it. It was just so sweet. Like I wasn't expecting that at all. I expected him obviously to, you know, be pleased with it and be happy seeing it. But it, it just seemed like it was kind of like relief to see, Oh, mommy has a bag too. It was just instant relief. I felt like, and I will say I'm jumping forward just a little bit, but before I forget, Every now and then he'll come up and he'll try to lift up my shirt. Like he remembered, I've just been taking a bag and just, just leaving it. I don't actually use the adhesive and put it on yeah. my stuff. I just, I usually wear yoga pants, loose pants anyway. So I just put a bag in there and just, just let it sit there in case he does want to come up and lift up on my shirt again. I can say, Hey, it's there. And he really, you know, he believes it. Oh, that's wonderful. And 
you were telling me as of today, that video on TikTok has had 1.3 million views, which was which is absolutely incredible. And it's so wonderful that you are humanizing the having that the bag, or, or, or if that's the right way to put it. Yes, I agree. <laughs> trying to make it more socially acceptable and trying to normalize it. Because normalize it. That's a word I should have used. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think they both. <laughs> and let's talk about some of the responses you've had from the TikTok video, which not every one of them has been positive, has it? No, they were largely positive. The majority of them were positive. However, there were a few, a, a few just simple things like don't lie to your son, you know, don't, don't make him think you have something that you don't. And then um, there was another one who said that I shouldn't be broadcasting my son's medical journey to strangers on the internet. And in response, you know, I explained when we don't say anything about it, that's why there's such a stigma with ostomies now, because when you don't talk about it and you act like it needs to be some big nasty secret, of course, people with ostomies, if they're told don't talk about it, they think it's something to be ashamed of. And yeah. in my house, not, I'm not going to raise my son like that. It's nothing to be ashamed of, you know, wear it loud and proud and who cares if someone doesn't like it. But yes, I'm just trying. I just want my son and other, you know, all the other little boys and girls and the adults, too. I just want them to understand that it's OK, because I could not believe how many comments were from adults that have an ostomy bag that were saying, you know, they felt the same way as Roman, that they were embarrassed and ashamed of it. And that just broke my heart to think, you know, even, of course, you expect for children to bully other children, but to hear that adults were dealing with the same thing and they were afraid to leave their houses and, you know, go to go to social events because of their bag, because they were afraid of what someone else might think. That was just so just sad. Yeah, I can understand the stigma associated, but not with the bag as such now, because I'm older and I had the reversal surgery and the closures when I was young so but even the stigma of having a bowel condition right is still you know it's a, it's a taboo subject unfortunately and doing videos like you have done it just it as you said before it normalizes it I believe yes I believe so too and and really I, when I first recorded it I honestly wasn't even thinking about putting it on social media I was just thinking to just, I record pretty much everything that has, I just, I'm big on the memories and, you know, being able to look back at it later when my boys are older, I want to be able to look back on those memories. So I just record a lot. And then also to, you know, I record to send to their father, you know, when he's at work so he can watch, you know, things and, and especially something like that. I thought I, I was pretty sure it would be a cute reaction. I didn't think it would be that cute and that sweet. But when he did give that reaction and kiss the bag, I thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to I'll just post that on TikTok and Facebook just for, you know, my closer friends and family to see. And I did not expect it to blow up the way that it did. But I'm glad it did. <laughs> yeah, no, I am glad as well. And you did another video with his ostomy bear. Yes, his, yes, his bear. I was thinking of putting it, putting an ostomy bag on some of his little stuffed animals, but they're all his stuffed animals. Most of them are like normal size, but for an ostomy bag, it covers up 
like the whole midsection of them. So I went and got a giant teddy bear and I put an ostomy bag on that, on the bear. And since it was so close to Christmas time, I put the bear up under right by the Christmas tree. And of course I took him in there and showed it to him. He ran up and he hugged it and was holding it near and dear to him. And that day he wanted to take it with him in the car. So I did let him, (laughs) then he just held the bear in his lap and just hugged him, just hugged him for a a very long time until we got back home. And yeah, I mean, still, that was a couple of weeks ago. And every day, at least once a day, he'll walk over and he'll hug and kiss his little bear and then set him back down on his chair and go about his day. But yeah, he loves his little ostomy bear. Oh, that's wonderful. Do you feel like it's made any difference to him? The way his emotions, like, you know, how you were saying he would sort of like grunt or whatever if the bag was shown. Do you think that's changed since you've done the videos? Yes, I um, I meant to say that earlier and started rambling about something else. But yes, I was just noticing yesterday how we were in the floor playing and tickling him and his shirt was lifted up. And his bag was exposed. And whereas he normally would rush to cover up the bag, he didn't do that. He just kept smiling and playing as usual. And I know he was aware of it because he was fiddling with something and he ended up touching the bag and he looked down at it and then he went right back to playing and it didn't bother him that time. Oh, that's great, isn't it? It is. I think that's probably because of playing with his bear and maybe mommy too, thinking that mommy has one. But I definitely think because of the bear. Right. Now that you still have to do the reversal, have you got concerns about that now? I know that we've chatted. You're a little bit wary of having that surgery now. I am. Yes. The number one, well, one of the reasons is because I feel like if he would have had the reversal when he was younger, you know, not too long after he had the PSART, I feel like he would have healed, uh, probably healed quicker and we would already have that past us and out of the way. And we would already be in, you know, more of a routine with his new bowels and how everything functions. And I feel like because it's been put off for so long now, it's going to be a harder recovery. I feel like, but also just meeting all these other parents and hearing their journeys and their stories and these Facebook groups and on social media, just hearing the horror stories from some of them about how they wish they had never had the reversal and they wish they would have kept the bag because of either, you know, incontinence or severe constipation or having to do the enemas, you know, it's, I just feel like there's a lot that could go wrong. And right now he's just so happy and he's thriving. The bag doesn't bother us. You know, we've gotten a routine down. We have the, you know, to us, the perfect method and supplies and everything is just fine. You know, I, I hate to take a seemingly, happy, healthy child who everything is just fine and then go and have the reversal, which is not medically necessary right now. And then him be in constant pain every single day. I'm just afraid of that. So as a follow-up to that, have you discussed this with the surgeons and what have they advised you? I have mentioned it, but honestly, I don't feel like I've really gotten a very honest reply from them because they, I feel like, in my opinion, they're not that well-versed in this. They're not that experienced in it. So I don't think they truly know the possibilities that could happen because they just don't see this very often. So would you feel more confident if you went back to the specialist at the colorectal center? I think so, yeah, because 
you know, like I said, we gave their office a chance. And I, I think that doctor was phenomenal. I really do. It was, it had nothing to do with him. It was the, the insurance and the office staff, you know, they just couldn't seem to get it figured out. And so I took that as a sign to just go back to our local hospital. But I did that and it's, it just hasn't been a great experience. And I do feel that, yes, we would have a much better experience and outcome if we were to go back to the specialist and we are checking into that. Oh, that's, oh, that's good. Well, it's, 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 a, it's a, such a personal decision and only you as a family know which, which way you want to go. We've spoken about Rome in a fair bit, naturally. How has it affected you as a person since he was born? And how have you coped with it all? To be honest, I think it's made me a better person. I think it's, I mean, I've never been like some horrible judgmental person, but I think it's made me more accepting and it just opened my eyes more. Don't take anything for granted. You know, every day I'm just so thankful. I'm so thankful for that ostomy. I really am because, you know, if we were back a couple of centuries ago where that procedure didn't exist, you know, I would have, what my son would not have been around very long. And I realized that. And so I'm very, very grateful for modern medicine and, you know, just grateful for his ostomy. And I just, I don't know, just him having the medical conditions, it just makes me definitely more appreciative of life in general. And I've noticed just since then, I've just, I'm just a much calmer person now. And I really, I think that is because of his medical issues. Right. And I suppose you get you just get used to taking things day by day, don't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And of course, in the beginning, I thought it was going to be very difficult. And don't get me wrong. It's not like, you know, a walk in the park. It's not something, you know, super easy to deal with. But at the same time, you just like you said, you take it day by day and you just have to jump right in. I mean, taking care of an ostomy, it's when you have an ostomy, it's not like you have a choice to take care of it. You just have to deal with it. And so just doing so, I mean, honestly, I've even thought about, I wish I could go to school to medical school and be an ostomy nurse just because it, yeah. Cause I, I really enjoy taking care of his ostomy and I feel so bad. Like I, I see parents all the time in these Facebook groups and TikTok, you know, asking for help because their child's bag is leaking. And I don't, I'm not pretending to be an expert by any means. And what works for one person is not going to work for the next person, you know, not automatically, but I've just, we've tried so many different tips and tricks now, and we just really gotten a routine down and got everything situated. And what if we really do have a routine that works for us and we have maybe had two or three leaks in maybe the past six months. So it's, I just, I really enjoy taking care of it. And I, I really do wish I could help other people outside of the internet. Hopefully we'll, when people um, have a listen to the podcast and uh, it gets out there, the, a lot of parents might actually approach you. Sure, that would be fine. Yeah, so people can contact you. How did Roman's dad react to when he was born with the IRM? He was actually more calm and collected than I thought he would be. However, when we were driving home, when I was released from the hospital after giving birth, and Roman was sitting there waiting at the hospital to be taken to the other hospital. And his father came and picked me up to, I needed to go get my car so I could go back up to the hospital to go be with him. And his father did say to me, he said, don't put anything on the internet about his condition because people are just going to talk about him and 
you know, and his father, he meant well, he didn't want anybody, yeah. you know, talking to baby, but I just thought, so who cares? You know, wh why does it matter? Why can nobody know about it? We're not, it's not like we have to keep it a secret because again, that goes back to the stigma and why there is such a stigma in the first place. Of course, again, he was trying to be protective and he meant well, his heart was in the right place, but that's where, again, you know, I feel like the mothers are more, they're out about it and they're going to talk about it. Whereas the dads usually don't want to really get involved. Yeah, and everybody's situation's totally different, of course. How is your extended family? Are you the only one that changes Roman's bag, or do you have family members who helped you out there? No, I am the only one. Um, now, his father in the beginning, he did help me when I didn't know what I was doing, and you know, the bags were leaking two or three times a day. He did help me then, and I will say he was very good at it. Yep. In the very right. beginning, one that would get it who actually got the method down to make it stop leaking that was actually his dad he yeah he was actually very good at it now just because it's not leaking multiple times a day and so I, I'm not running around frantically trying to figure it out he kind of knows she knows what she's doing and so he just kind of leaves it alone oh that's wonderful now and this is a question I always pose to a parent who has a child born with IARM for someone who's just say given given birth to a kid now, what would your be your greatest advice you could give them? For one, if the bag if if their bag is leaking, if they do have a colostomy, you're not doing anything wrong. Their little bodies just change so rapidly in the beginning. What works one day, it might not work the next day, and that's not your fault. It's really not. The method and the supply, even the supplies, might change also, and they're going to change pretty often. So just give yourself some grace and, you know, it, it's going to be okay and it will get better. You will eventually figure out what works and it won't keep changing every few days or weeks. So just give yourself grace with that and also reach out for support. When I first had Roman, I didn't realize those Facebook groups existed. It, I didn't find those groups for a couple of months. And I know that would have been so super helpful had I found them immediately right after giving birth to Roman. So definitely reach out because pretty much all the other IA parents that I've come into contact with and you, of course, the adults, everybody's been so super supportive and everybody really does want to help each other and lean on each other. And that's what those groups are there for. So utilize them. I've been so grateful for your books. You know, I ordered the first one. I ordered Rare and Resilient first. And at the time, I was not aware that you had another book. And so when I saw that other one in the one in 5,000 group, I jumped on Amazon and bought that one and I finished that one just as quick as I did the first one. But yes, I just, I love being able to read about your experiences being that you are actually an adult and I just have, you know, a small toddler that's going through this. It does truly give me hope to see how great your life has been and what a positive experience that you've made your life into from this and helping other people. That's really inspired me. That's very, very kind of you, Bristol. And that's why I've done the book. So just to, give uh, parents hope and know that your little child can live a very productive life and you know even though it, it can be restrictive at times but having an IA but it's it doesn't stop you from doing anything and I'm sure it won't stop Roman as well yeah well thank you so much for writing those books no my pleasure uh, is there anything else Bristol that you'd like to talk about that we haven't covered at the moment well I'm sure there's still a lot when you have an IA child, there's so much that you want to learn about IA. 
And so I'll have to come back on the podcast and chat with you again, because there's just so much to learn. There's so much I want to talk about. There's so much I want to hear from you. And I want to hear from other IA parents. I would love to chat with more people. So there's a lot more to cover. Oh, I'm sure we'd love to get you back on it at some stage. And because that's what it's about, just sharing everyone's experiences. It doesn't not only makes them feel like they're in a community, but it gives them hope as well, I think. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah. And it is kind of, it is like a community too. I mean, like, I feel like you and the other IA parents that I've met, like y'all really feel like family to me because there, I mean, there are so many things that have happened in mine and Roman's lives where the first person I contact is not an actual blood related family member. It's I jump on Facebook and I go to those IA groups and the ostomy groups and I just pour it out there. And I, you know, I let everybody know what's going on because I know that you all are going to have good advice. You're going to be able to relate to it and you'll understand. Whereas the blood relatives are not going to understand. Yep. Uh, your close friends and your relatives, how do you think they will react when they hear your story? Because you've been really wonderfully honest and transparent. Do you think it might shock a few, a few people? Oh, I'm sure there will. And I mean, there are, I'm sure a lot of people don't normally pay close attention anyway. <laughs> Maybe you're not even sure what's going on, but also because I don't normally open up to them about this stuff because to me, it seems pointless nothing against them, but they can't relate to what we're going through. So it just seems kind of pointless. And I have actually met, there are probably four, there's four or five women in general, uh, close families that I've actually grown very close to that I have met on Facebook in these IA and ostomy groups that I chat with very regularly. I mean, we talk like family and there's yep. one actually from my hometown who only lives about 45 minutes away from me. And her daughter who has IA is only just a couple of months older than Roman. That's wonderful, isn't it? That you got yeah. someone so close. Right. It was shocking to find out she was so close. Yeah. That's great. So thanks Bristol for being so open and wonderful in what you've shared with us about your experiences with Roman and your willingness to help others. I think that's going to be wonderful. And if anyone wants to contact Bristol, her name on the Facebook's Bristol Surprise, and that's on TikTok. And your name on Instagram is Autumn Bristol. That's right. Okay, Bristol. Well, thanks again. And uh, I know it's late at night there. You've you've had a busy night with Roman tonight. So I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. Thanks, Bristol. Bye. Bye.